welcome to First, inspiring open-minded and open-hearted people looking to fully realize their true potential. Want to learn more about our podcast, view show notes or see what we offer? Then visit burst.fm. And while you're there, hit the button to subscribe to the show so you'll never miss out. And to keep up with all things Burst, be sure to join our Facebook group. Now, without further ado, let's jump right in. So I'm really excited today for Burst to introduce the amazing Rosalind Palmer. I'm Nikki, your host today, and... Hi, I'm Mike Shields. And yes, we'll be talking to Rosalind about a few different areas. Things like authenticity, the power of no, vulnerability, and we'll be diving into Rosalind's really interesting and, and deep life story. So without further ado, I want to hand you over to Rosalind. Hello, well thank you Nicola and thank you Mike and it's really lovely to be here. Thank you for having me on the show. So, authenticity, that is a very good question. Well, everybody else has taken, so I only know how to be me. Yes. <laughs> I think I think we're all authentic to a greater or lesser degree. The problem is our fears and many childhood hurts and patterns of behaviour that we get into and things that we're told by others or how we should behave often make us at odds with our true beings and so then there's a mismatch mm -hmm. and you don't feel authentic so I think you start to hide behind a mask also we all have to wear masks you know we're a society that's very mask based um, I was in PR for many 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 years you don't turn up being grumpy in PR you, yeah. you turn up being very Ooh, hi, and you're the one who's always positive and and of course there is a degree of fake it till you make it and if you keep being that person or keep doing that behavior or engaging in that behavior um, it, it starts to rub off and you start to do it more naturally but there's still often a, a void a mismatch a mm. gaping hole so for me back in my PR days it would be that I would be that person and people would even say oh you're amazing at this look how well your company is doing and and you go out and you'd smash it and you'd feel really good about it and then I'd come home and the void would just gnaw at me and so I'd probably pour another gin and tonic and get what sleep I could and then wow. you know yeah. like Groundhog Day do it all over again and after a while that really starts to take its toll yeah. you know because there's only so much physically and mentally and emotionally you can do yeah. like that so for me I hadn't realized at the time that although I was good at PR and good at being or wearing an extroverted mask I am the archetypal introverted extrovert and it, I hadn't realised it. It's like, duh, because if you think about it, I did an English literature degree, yeah. you know. That includes reading a lot of books in very rubbish accommodation in dark rooms for three years, pretty much. It is not the degree of an extrovert. No. <laughs> the degree of an extrovert would be drama or yes, would be, you know, something much more exciting. So I hadn't really realised that I was actually quite deep, quite introverted. I was always very shy as a child, but then I'd pushed on through. Mm -hmm. So just that realisation, I think, would have made it OK, because I'm not saying I would have had to have been, in, you know, living in a 
tree in a forest on my own because I'm such an introvert, th thinking deep thoughts and writing poetry. But I can be or could be a PR person. But I think to know I'm doing this, I'm wearing this mask, I'm, I'm, I'm now being that. You know, like Beyonce when she's Sasha Fierce, when she goes out on stage, she creates that persona. But I think as long as you know you're doing that, then you can go, whew. I can now go home and be me. Yeah. I can now go home and put on my, you know, really rubbish onesie on my pajamas, and you know, and on my day off, I don't have to be the sparkling PR person. I can actually, you know, do gardening and wear no makeup. I mean, Jess Glynn, I don't wear makeup on Thursdays. That's all about being authentic, isn't yeah. it, on yeah. that day? And I didn't really get that at that time because nobody told me I didn't know even though I did a lot of personal development I didn't really get that I get that now um, but I didn't really get that but even through all of what you've just said there must have been like um, you've clearly always had confidence must have come from childhood because to be able to wear the mask to do the PR and to then come out and be your authentic self there must have been encouragement as a child to develop that confidence. There's nothing. Yes. Do you see? Oh, I do totally. And I, and I think there were two things going on, and you and you've sort of hit upon both of them there with your your question. My mum always said, "True to thy own self, be thou." And Lovely. you know, and I'd come home and go, "Oh, I only got B plus," you know, for my essay. And she'd go, "Did you do your best?" And I'd go, "Yeah." And she'd go, "Well, that's good enough for us." So, I had some very positive parenting I had some very positive you know affirmations about you know I was good enough and just being me was was fine but equally I didn't realize and now clearly as a transformational therapist I do you know that we play roles within our family we're tribal people the full roles in the tribe are a lister rebel nurse and the sick one and dad was a sick one, he always had migraines on Sunday, he had a hernia, I think he had a heart attack because he worked so hard. Mum was the nurse, you know, look after everybody, take care of all their needs. My sister, boy did she do the rebel, <laughs> really, and she's older than me. So when I came into that little tribe, you know, the only role available was A-lister. And so without knowing it, I unwittingly, you know, took that role. And so I was always the one going, me, me, you know, for the brownie guide leader, me for the soloist in the school play. And I could do it. Clearly, I had talents, I had skills, I was able to channel, channel myself and I had drive. But a lot of that side of me was A, because it was the role I played, it was the role I had, it was the, the allocated role I was given, because I never wanted to let my parents down. There was a lot of expectations from them on me, you know, they were both very bright people who, because of their upbringing, my dad's parents were greengrocers, my mum's mum was a single mum who lived, who worked in a mill in Keithley, I mean, we're talking poor. She went to grammar school, but she had to leave at 15, and my dad had to leave school at 15, and yet they were both really bright people, and Although they went on to do well in business, I think all their aspirations were kind of channeled into me a bit. Okay, I'm yeah. the A-lister, aren't yeah, I? I'm yeah. the bright-haired girl, and so that weight of—and I don't mean it pejoratively—they didn't, they weren't 
bad people. They, they didn't even know they were doing it. Mm. You know, like, oh, but I'm the first person in my family who went to university. So there's all of that stuff going on. That is a lot to carry. It is. Yes, yeah. So although I was, you know, trying to be authentic, doing my best to be me, I was driven in a way that actually wasn't entirely of my choosing. Yeah. So does that answer your question? Yeah. Mm. Yes, yeah, so there's some pressure mm. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm so, so admired by the way you use the power of language to be authentic and as we were discussing earlier I'm on my journey with that and I've discovered the power of no and that does empower me but I'm still not quite there <laughs> are we all ever anyway but um, I, I you seem to have this eloquence around you when you are speaking using language to say no but without being quite <laughs> you're, like, so, you're direct but you're, yeah. you're very polite and strong yeah in you. absolutely I, i'm not sure if i'm no and again again okay and and here's the deal on that one i i think we're all born with gifts aren't we mm -hmm. um my gift is definitely communication and language yeah you know, right from Clearly. being a little kid you know i was the one in class winning the poetry competition you know I can remember writing a poem about a squirrel when I was about five or six and you know I, I think you know there are some gifts Shakespeare was gifted JK Rowling are gifted you yes. know it comes from a higher power I don't yes. know where it comes from we, we definitely have have gifts don't we and and I'm very lucky and I'm very blessed that communication eloquence language they, they're, they're one of my gifts um, I of course then it's honed through good things and bad things. I was very ill as a child. In fact, I effectively died when I was a baby, very ill. And so I was always the one off school back in the day when we didn't have TV in the daytime or phones or anything really, apart from a sticky bottle of Lucasade at the side of your bed. And books or, or pieces of paper where you could write stories or draw. And so that very much living in my imagination understanding the power of words reading children's compendiums of books reading everything I could read and making stories up you know was very much me very much part of me so I think the gift was there thank God but I think it was honed through years of, of, of what would have been boredom otherwise mm. and thank God that the internet wasn't around because I'd have been on watching Netflix and stuff and instead I was doing that and it does worry me actually that today Absolutely. you know kids don't have times when they should just be bored and, mm. and not being permanently entertained because mm. otherwise you don't dig deep and tap yeah. into your creativity and I, I heard somebody the other day go I never read books I mean it actually nearly made me want to cry and I yeah. get that maybe you want to listen to an audiobook but books all look at a library and just work out everything in the world is in that library all emotions everything every human endeavor everything you could ever imagine and do is in that library so I was very lucky that I did that also because my breathing was uh, compromised because of my childhood illness my parents sent me for allocution lessons <laughs> so right throughout my teen years I used to go and see the very formidable Mrs Shepley 
with her heaving bosom, who used to go, no, no, say it like this. And so um, it meant that I was considered quite posh where I grew up, because I grew up in Nottingham and I don't really have much of an accent. And equally, reading literature, reading poetry, learning how to to say it you know the spoken word that's what tribal communities do you know they share stories but in a spoken way I think that all of these were incredibly formative so that then I did an English degree surprise and learnt more about the power of words and the power of communication of course I was the editor of the student newspaper at that time and then I learned about the power of you know what's going on today I mean, I went to a party, I remember it vividly, and I started to feel something wet on my back. A guy emptied an entire bottle of red wine down my yellow dress. It wasn't good. And it was because in the student newspaper I had raised the issue that there weren't enough halls of you know, accommodation for anybody other than the first years, unless you were on a sports scholarship, and the sports scholarship people were treated specially. And I questioned that. He did not like that. He was one of the tennis players. But what it taught me was, wow, there's, a, you know, the, the sword, what the word is mightier than the sword. Yes. And I, I learned that, you know, in my 20s, I learned that in my teens. And so I, I'm very flattered that you've picked up on that eloquence and that love of words and communication, because that's really always been part of me. So onto authenticity, and you've talked about your PR days. When was it that moment that you awakened to the fact, actually, I'm not really in congruency with myself and, and I need to change life or, or, or mm. redefine who you are? Can you talk a bit about that, Miss? I, I, think I, had, I think I had a sense of it. I had a gnawing sense of it. But mm. I don't think I ever allowed myself the luxury of really understanding that till I was literally out of that industry because I think while I was in it and of course then I'm good at it because I've got the eloquence I've got the communication I've got the drive Mm -hmm. you know I've got all of those things that actually made me segue into that very quickly I mean when I was at Lynn Franks there were 43 employees Mm. Uh, only three of us had a degree and I would honestly say that probably only five of us did not come from super privileged backgrounds. You know, I remember once getting my wages on a Friday and one of the girls said to me, oh, isn't it lovely when we get our wages? Because it's my weekend spending money. And I went, I have to live on it. And she was like, what? And I was like, yes, I have to pay my rent, have to buy my food. And she was like, oh, how novel. <laughs> you know, it was a bit like, whoa. So I think there was always a gnawing sense of, yeah, something's not quite right, but I think I just drove myself on and drove myself on and drove myself on. It made me ill. That was the big first big wake-up call. I started to get very ill in my late 20s because I'm working 80-hour weeks. And it's very alcohol-fueled, kind of adrenaline-fueled culture, and I clearly my, my com- compromised immune system um, and some hormonal issues, you know, weren't great. Um, luckily, I suppose, being at Lynn Frank's, back in the, the mid-80s, you know, these, these were the, the weirdos of their day, you know, they were mostly Buddhists, um, you know, I went to a comprehensive school and was a grocer's daughter, and they're like, oh, you need to go and see an Ayurvedic doctor, or you need to go and get acupuncture, or you need to go on a macrobiotic diet, it was like, you know, did not compute, yeah. but clearly I was not well, and after having an emergency tonsillectomy at 26, and 
being put on so many different tablets, I just thought there has to be a better way than this. And so luckily I did embrace all of that and that's still part of my life. I then went on from one job to another and then formed my own PR company. So then I'm on that big treadmill. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I've got a big house in London. I've got a company with 20 odd employees. I've got clients. And I, I just truly felt that I was on the treadmill and the merry-go-round and that I had to juggle plates. And I didn't feel that I could get off. Um, within that environment, I was authentic. I was as authentic as I could be. I was actually very well known within the PR world. Uh, and I ruffled a lot of feathers for being quite outspoken about some of the crap that people would promote, some of the ways they would compromise their values, or did they even have any values because of the, some of the products, Big Pharma in particular, and Nuclear Power was another one. You know, there were a few that I just felt, come on, guys, you know, we have a responsibility to be ethical about yes. what we're promoting. Absolutely. I mean, I launched Green Consumer Week. Um, I helped raise money for the London Lighthouse, the first AIDS hospice. I was the first person to work for the Institute of Indian Culture, you know, so I'm very proud of my own track record that I did always temper it with some values. In fact, staff who worked for my company had to sign a values contract, so... That's, when, when was that? Uh, that was in the 90s. Wow, that's quite... It uh, was way yeah, ahead very, of its time. Yes. Yeah, and probably all my work with Tony Robbins and people yeah. instructed that because I became the PR agent for the leading gurus of the time. So wow. I, I was Tony Robbins' PR, I was Edward de Bono's PR, I was Robert Holden's PR, I did The Happiness Project, I was Brandon Bay's yeah, PR. Yeah. Um, and of course you have to go on all these people's courses to understand them, you, you become immersed in their worlds and it obviously had a really profound effect on me. So I think at that time I did feel pretty authentic, I felt I was running a values based company, I was trying to live as good as values based life as I could. So I was authentic within the confines of I'm a PR person yes, running yeah, yeah. a you know multi-million pound of PR company. You know the, the context yeah, was yeah. Yeah. you know I am in that world. Yeah. And at the end of the day, people pay you big money to get results, and, awesome. and so you have to do that. So I do think I was very authentic. I do believe I was unknown for it. And my agency won best PR agency of the year in 1998 or nine and the judges cited the fact that our company had such good values. So, Brilliant. you know, I think yeah. I did my best to be authentic, but there was just always something that wasn't quite right. Yeah. Just like a calling for another direction, rather than... Cause well, I was exhausted for a start. Yeah. I think that didn't help. I think I just didn't feel I could get off that merry-go-round. Mm. Um, I was being driven by some of these primitive on subconscious forces yes. be the a-lister be the good girl be the golden girl yes. don't let anybody yeah. down yeah. you know you're the great white hope all that you know it's at such a subconscious level that you know you don't even know you're being driven by it that's why you do the work i do today because a lot of my clients are really successful execs but and they look like they've got it all going on and they're really unhappy or hollow and they do weird stuff like shopping or alcohol or yeah. you name it to fill, fill themselves up yeah. exactly yeah. and so I think I did a lot of that mm -hmm. I think I bought a lot of things I really didn't need mm -hmm. <laughs> I think I <laughs> drank a lot too much alcohol um, I was bulimic mm -hmm. 
Yeah, there were quite a few not great behaviours, which clearly were the way of coping with that mm. nagging something. Mm. I want to ask something, and we might edit this out if it's not, mm. thingy, but this is like a personal thing though as well. So, because um, I'm trying to, because currently that confidence level for me is like amazing. It's like, oh, now I wish I'd have that confidence level what, now. That I have, or you have. That you have. Oh, right. It's really inspiring. And yes, I am on my journey, and it's unfolding for me. And if you, so you have ruffled feathers, as you mm. said in your PR, like, but now, if you, do you suspect that you may ruffle people's feathers by being, because I, I can't see it, you think you put no, it I so eloquently. No, I think I do, no, I think I do. And I how do. does that make you, you're still standing in your power rather than... I, I, I suppose perhaps because I am a therapist and a coach now and I have a deeper understanding of some of those behaviours because some of them are archetypal behaviours. I don't take it so personally. Yeah. And I am much more able to think, oh, that's their stuff, that's their issue, that's their bag. Yeah, and I, I'm able to not... You know, what else could this mean? It's, you know, not all about me. So I think I'm a lot better than that. But here's the deal. I have moments of real self-doubt. I mean, just before my book came out, plug, which I'm sure you will mention, reset. Absolutely. Um, I literally spent the weekend in pyjamas crying. And because that book is very vulnerable, it's very, you know, autobiographical. There's a lot of revelation in there. There's a lot of things that... People didn't know. Some, I think even members of my own family didn't know because I'd been able to wear the mask mm, mm. and look so good that behind all of that, you know, the sticking plasters weren't necessarily seen. And here I am going, hey, this is my journey. This is what happened to me. This is how it looked on the outside. This is how it felt on the inside. These are some good things I did to fix it. These are some not so good things to fix it. And here's how you can fix it. I literally rang my publisher up and went, I don't want to publish the book. Mm -hmm. The book's going out like on the Monday or the Tuesday. This is like the Friday. I'm like, no, and I was just in pieces because I suddenly felt very, 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 very vulnerable, very exposed. Um, okay, so I suppose in a way, authenticity at that level comes at a price. Mm. It comes at a price and That's it's not always comfortable mm -hmm. because you do think, oh, God, I'm there, I'm laid bare, there's nowhere to hide. How, how am I going to be judged? How's it going to be received? You know, if somebody takes a pop at you because you do a PR campaign and they don't like it, you yeah. go, whatever. But if somebody goes, well, I don't like you, it's, yeah. it's, it's harder, isn't it? Yeah. But then that's the leap that you took. Yeah. Obviously, you are where you are now. Yeah. And was that like a bit of a panic, like a natural sort of thing to shed things from the past or I think life had plans for me and that's the deal I think uh, I, I've been in and out of different faiths and spirituality and religion but I'm sort of back with God actually because I've decided he she it was pretty cool and you know and they wouldn't allow you know just because we've got it wrong as men about religion doesn't mean that God or that greater force isn't there and I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty at one with it so I had a very vivid dream 
So I'd sold my PR company and we adopted another child. We'd moved to the Bahamas through kind of forced circumstances because we went and took over a business there because my former husband's father ran it. It wasn't really the plan. And I found myself in a foreign country, statusless, with no job. I'd go to dinner parties. I'd been the you know, runner-up in the Businesswoman of the Year award the year before and this award-winning PR company in this great big house and people wouldn't even ask my opinion. And then I remember being at school one day picking my kids up and this woman said to me, what's your favourite cupcake recipe? And I went, I used to be somebody, you know, and it was really <laughs> awful. It was really awful, you know, because obviously I was tied into my ego, I was tied into that lifestyle, I was tied into all of that. And that was pretty brutal, actually. And then, in a very short period of time, in a foreign country, um, my father had a stroke. Um, and then he got very depressed, uh, which I won't go into, but it was really very brutally ended up in a you know, mental um, unit. And on my birthday as well. And then I discovered I had breast cancer and then my mum discovered she had terminal pancreatic cancer. And in the middle of all of that, we had two hurricanes. We were living in an out island in the Bahamas. It destroyed everything. We'd taken over a farm. Uh, my children were kind of almost feral. And then I discovered that all the money that I'd spent all those years sacrificing my health for pretty much wasn't there. That was pretty brutal. So the dream I had was like hanging on by my fingertips on a cliff edge and God jumping up and down going, let go, let go, finally let go. It took a long time to let go. And I think even when I came back, I tried to reinvent myself. I didn't know what else to do. I mean, I'm, and I'm very proud that I did. You know, I, came, I left with an eight bedroom house in London and an award-winning PR company and loads of money in the bank and came back a single unemployed mother in Nottinghamshire and rented accommodation. And I got back into work. I worked for a very good training and development company and then I remarried. That seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> it was my childhood sweetheart. It seemed like a safe place to fall, but of course we'd spent 30 odd years apart and we'd become very different people and didn't really realize that. And so that wasn't a fun place to be. The menopause kicked in. That was horrendous. And I really lost myself. I didn't... You talk about authenticity? I didn't even know who I was at that time. Oh, it was fun. horrendous. Oh. That's, that's yeah, absolutely amazing. I mean, you know, just... It's hard to comprehend all, all, all those twists and turns and things. And, you know, now we know you as a, as, as a best-selling author. Um, somebody who is a um, rapid transformational therapist and who's really doing massive things in the world. How, how did you actually pick yourself back up again and, and reinvent yourself? Yeah, so after my second marriage uh, went to the wall, I, but before that, I decided I was going to work part-time and one day I thought, what do I really want to do? And I thought, I want to give something back. I'd love to work for a charity and I'd like to work part-time and I wouldn't want too long a commute. So I hadn't applied for a job at that point for probably 20 odd years. I went online and I found this site and I typed in head of marketing, charity, part-time, 
50 miles from Nottingham and the leprosy mission came up okay. and they were looking for a three day a week head of marketing and communications they were in Peterborough technically I think that's 55 miles but we won't split the you know whatever <laughs> and I applied for it on the Friday and I had the job on the Monday Brilliant. and I spent two and a half years in-house and then as a consultant so I spent the best part of five years arguably with the most marginalized people in the world because when you have leprosy you are the lowest of the yeah. low you know even in India they are below the untouchables so these are very tribal people or they're people living in inner city squalor so I had trips to Ethiopia, Niger, you know Mozambique so across Africa and India that is an amazing way to go you know what maybe my life isn't quite so bad <laughs> when you're stood in human excrement in a slum in Ethiopia with somebody in a mud hut and they're grateful to you because you're putting some toilets in or grateful for you because you're going to educate their children and yet the other people won't even go near them and then the man who had no arms and no legs and used to take himself on a little wooden platform with wheels and drag himself through human excrement to get mm. to the side of the road to beg because that's the only way he could get money now that is a great leveler that yeah. is a great way of gaining perspective mm. so I came through that okay my second marriage unfortunately was unsustainable and we were such different people with different values and I had little while of thinking what next and I felt I'd reached a plateau and lo and behold the universe synchronicity mirrors appear emails me and goes hi I've just been licensed to create a new training school okay uh, the first it was called the Marissa Peer Method we yeah. not even invented the word RTT and she knew me I'd met her in the early 90s at a Tony Robbins course yeah. I'd even been to her for therapy we were friends and she said, I think you'd make a great therapist. And uh -huh. I, people for years had said to me, you're a good listener or you some temperate yeah. advice, we really appreciate. And I, it was just one of those moments, Mike, when I thought, why not? Mm -hmm. I, I'll be honest with you, I thought, well, it might just help me. If, yeah. if yeah. nothing else, yeah. you know, yeah. I'll go. Yeah. I took to it like a duck to water. Wow. Um, wow. I hadn't realized I had so many transferable skills, mm -hmm. obviously hypnotherapy is about communication, RTT, synthesizers, psychotherapy, hypnotherapy, CBT, NLP. I was trained in NLP in the okay. 90s. I even studied hypnotherapy with Paul McKenna. I've had CBT in psychotherapy. <laughs> you know, I like to yeah. call myself, you know, the messed up therapist. Um, but I think it gives me a great deal of insight, and a great deal of authenticity yeah. and yeah, compassion yeah. because yeah. people come to me and I'm like, I've mm. walked in your shoes. Yes, I get yes, it. Yes. Behind that mask, I know what that feels like. Mm. I mean, I, I saved a girl who was so bad on anorexia that she literally been told she couldn't even be an eating disorder and my opening gambit with her because I'm just sitting there thinking and I'm kind of praying I'm thinking come on we can do this we can do this you've, you've seen enough you've done enough you can do this here for a reason and I said to her I'm always fascinated by anorexics, I said, because you're really fascinated by food and you spend hours preparing it and then you don't eat it. I said, at least when I was a bulimic, I got to eat loads of food, carry a toothbrush around, puke up, come back, eat more food. I think you chose the losing lottery ticket. And she just like looked at me and I'm thinking myself, maybe this isn't quite what a therapist is supposed to say, but it just 
created rapport. It created. It made it real. And I've had the most amazing testimony from her in, yeah. ever. And it was a bit like, Ros is not like any therapist I'd ever been to before. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> Brilliant. So, Ellie was talking about your book, and there's a chapter in there which, which goes on more about the power of no, and I know that we've touched on that earlier. Can you share some more insights from the power of no? Absolutely. I mean, there's quite a few in there. I mean, I think things like... A lot of them are social conditioning ones, aren't they? Okay, so, yeah, yeah. I think it's like, say no to... And some of them are flip-flop. Some of them are two sides of the coin. So one of them is say no to being limitless. And then I talk about Dave Asprey and Bulletproof Coffee yeah. that I came across at AFES. And people want to be limitless. There are drugs and substances that people take to keep themselves up all night. You know, I was a student. I know what cramming feels like. And I would never say to somebody, put limits on yourself. But equally, I paid for my wanting to be limitless with my health. Yes. So, you know, I, I think it's about saying no to things that aren't right for you. So say no to frenemies, say no to saying yes to everything, say no to saying no to everything. I think, you know, some of it might seem really contraindicated, some of that advice I give, but I do, I do explain it all and say, you know, say no to feeling limitless, but say no to putting a limit on yourself yeah, and having yeah. self-imposed limits. So they're all within balance and they're all within reason they all have to be contextualized about what's right for you yeah. i think that the, the key motive about the whole book is to say find what's right for you yeah. you know just because it's right for somebody else give it a go try it mm. so saying no to well like without being cheesy saying no to being inauthentic yes really. yeah that is a choice saying, saying no choice. to being yeah. Yeah. controlled by other people's mm. values mm. or expectations mm. or you know, we, we were talking earlier that I've been to lots of events and, and it's really weird. There's this side of me, I go, I sign up for something like AFES and I go, yeah. And then I get on the plane and I go, no, what was I thinking? Why did I do this? And I have a miserable train do, plane journey thinking, oh, no, I can't bear it. I'm going to have to dress up. I'm going to have to meet people. I'm going to have everything. Then I get there and I'm like, yeah. And then about day three, I'm like, I've just got to go find somewhere really quiet and go away. <laughs> and, and there is two sides to me. There Absolutely, is definitely yeah. this fun, love to connect, social butterfly, and a very private, I yes. need my own space, I need quiet, you know. So I'm certainly not somebody who could, you know, live in a commune all the time, but I couldn't live in a cave either. So I, and it's taken me years to work that balance mm, out mm, and to work that out. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's, that, that's, that's quite something that resonates with me. Sometimes you can sort of like agree to do something, you look forward to something, and, but something at the back of your mind saying, do I really want to do this? Exactly. And you start getting into it and thinking, oh, why on earth did I sign up for this? So yeah, I, I can totally resonate. And, and so having those filters off and being able to sort of like tune into yourself and say, you know, is this a proper yes or a no? And mm. uh, what reasons am I doing this for? You know, is, is being authentic to yourself and actually being non-violent to yourself and, and totally. something, something to be really encouraged. And compassionate yeah. to yourself. And yeah. that means that even if you've said yes, you know, you know I've, I've done it quite a lot lately. I belong to quite a lot of women's networking <laughs> groups and I signed up for a few things. And then I just haven't felt up to it. You yeah. know, I've yeah. been tired or I've not felt like it and I haven't gone. Okay, mm. I've bought the ticket, but I haven't gone. And 
back in my PR days, I would have gone. Yeah. I would have thought, oh, it's like I'm letting somebody down and I've invested in it now, I must go. Whereas now I sit with myself and I think, really, what would you like to do? Pajamas, nice dress. Nice yes. dress makeup, pajamas. Nice dress makeup, <laughs> pajamas, Netflix. You know, yeah. and I. <laughs> Sometimes one wins, sometimes the other wins. Yeah. But I think it's, it's yeah. fine, you know? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. about being in that moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and obviously, the listener can read your book, which we'll put the link at the end of the... The show notes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. thank you. And find out further information and also how you turn it all around and how you can help them turn their life around. Yes, because I... I, I get interviewed a lot if I have a radio show and I keep forgetting to say that I am actually in private practice so I do actually take clients. Yes, yeah. so, okay, we'll put a link to you. Yeah, I do um, a combination of, and they could be standalone or a combination of coaching and or, or and, and rapid transformational therapy and clinical hypnotherapy and there isn't a cookie cutter approach because I think I have enough life experience and training that uh, I can make it very tailored for people um, I'm doing more and more one-to-many I've been doing quite a lot of speaking and then I've got two more books after the original one but I'm a co-contributor in ignite your life for women and ignite your female leadership which I'm particularly proud of because I think women helping other women to be great leaders in a female way is really important and I'm really proud of that um, I'm going to be doing a lot more one-to-many. So later in the year, I'm going to be having online courses. Brilliant. And, you know, which will be more affordable to people yes. and help me, you know, reach more people, really. Because the ones I do seem to really like it, so that's good. <laughs> that's really exciting, and I'll be looking forward to see what else you're doing as well, training-wise. Yeah. We'll have to keep a lookout there, won't we? Fantastic, yes, yeah. You mentioned earlier about the uh, pyjamas and onesies. What's, what's your favourite onesie? I'll be honest, Mike, I'm not good with onesies okay. because onesies and the menopause do not go well together. No, they don't. I no. tend to overheat. <laughs> I overheat very right, easily. Okay. Um, I buy them for people. Uh, my son had a tiger one, which I thought was hilarious, and he's like 23. Um, I yes, yeah, so I I am no longer now the owner of one simply because of a you know having my own thermonuclear yes. um, heating going system on. going yeah. on with me. Um, it doesn't make for okay, and all you know, like pulling the zip down and going get this off. So yeah, I'm more a more a pajamas girl at the moment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. In wrapping up, you know, we've we've talked a lot about authenticity, about the power of no. You've you've really painted a, 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 a big picture of, of your life's journey, of all the ups and downs, but but how that all actually, you know, brought you to who you are today, and, and that richness of experience. So we've we've really enjoyed that. And one thing that when you mentioned about submitting your book, and and that bit of, I don't know if I've used the right word, but that bit of anxiety within you, um, it reminds me of the book The Big Leap, Gay mm, Hendricks, yeah, and, I love that and, book. And, and, and you know, was he reaching <laughs> the upper limit there, and, mm. and, and so that particularly resonated with me, because we, we go through these things, don't we? Absolutely. And, and again, it is, is that a, a step of, oh, am I about, am I going to expose myself, you know, am I being authentic? I mean, I know you've written your book, I don't know if your life's work in there, but, but is there something, you know, where, where you, because you're reaching a new level, is there a fear in there? You know, can you just, just, just Yeah, I think, it, well, I think it, it's, you know, one of the 
precepts of what we do in RTT is making the unfamiliar familiar and the mm. brain will always go back to what's familiar yeah you know, that's what that's what's safe that's what's known yeah, yeah and so you know my probably the most part of my career was you know looking like it was all good and all going on on the surface you mm. know that mm. mask that outward show so actually to kind of do live videos on Facebook when I'm feeling a bit rubbish <laughs> and, uh, and, and and you know the the Jessica Lynn, you know, it's probably Thursday and I'm maybe not wearing very much makeup and everything, has been a big leap for me. It's been a very big uncomfortable leap for me. Um, but I've done it and what's really brilliant about it is um, women and men, uh, you know, I, I, I work with both, but I belong to a lot of women's networking groups and I belong to a Facebook group called something like Over 50 Proud and Fearless. And I've shared a couple of things on there, and the other women, it, it, it just reduces me to tears when they go, oh, thank you, thank you for doing that. Thank you for stepping into your vulnerability. Thank you for going outside your comfort zone. Yeah, thank you for yeah. taking us, telling us that all, all of that, you know, didn't feel easy all the time, and that you did it, and if you can do it, that's an inspiration. And I keep hearing the word inspiration, and I'm very proud of that, and that really has been a, place in my life that mm. you know I'm, I definitely seem to be at at the moment it's it's something that you know if you follow me if you look at my Facebook post Instagram and yes, yeah. everything it, it's a thing that you know only only last week I was MC at the Nottingham Digital Conference right, on Stuart. stage yeah, yeah for yeah. the whole day yeah. 750 people I'd never done that before mm -hmm. not a whole event for a whole day <laughs> and doing all the clever links with digital stuff you know it was quite a, a leap wow yeah, but yeah. I did it and then I just felt blooming awesome afterwards yes. like I really yeah. did you yeah. know yeah. so yeah. yeah I still you know as it Erica John feel the fear and do it anyway but yeah. equally I don't do things I don't want to do no. that's what I mean about the no yes you know yeah. now if somebody said to me like here should we go leap off a cliff I'll be like no <laughs> <laughs> Have a lovely time. Yeah. I'll be. I'll. I'll maybe come along. I'll be sitting there. I'll take some photos. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't feel I need to do that parachute jump or that thing anymore to to prove that I can conquer my limiting beliefs or my fears because I know I can. Yeah. yeah. I've done it in, and and the quiet moments, the times when I was having the cancer treatment and nobody came because mm. I was having my treatment in America, living in the Bahamas, and my dad was seriously ill in England, and my wow. mum. Wow. So none of my family came none of my friends came those moments when you're facing a really horrible procedure on your own in, in a foreign country really and you know and cancers hanging above you in the air they're the moments when you really dig deep and make those and, and you learn you know who you are don't you yeah. there's so many great fridge magnets but I wear a bracelet look all I need is within me I love my mum's true to thy own self be thou Another one I really like is be the person that your dog thinks you are. Okay, right. <laughs> and another one is character is who you really are when nobody else is looking. Yeah, yes, that's good. yes, yeah. yes. Yes. I think yeah. they're all good, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Well, thank, yeah. you, thank you, that's a great ending. So listeners can have those beautiful quotes. Absolutely, yes, yes. And we'll get them transcribed in the quotes and put them in the show notes as well because yeah. those are very beautiful and... 
which has been a quite a mind-blowing actual <laughs> journey so we've thoroughly enjoyed it and some Thank of the, you. And as, as we mentioned some of the key takeaways and the main things we talk about is the authenticity that power of nerve you've really shared the vulnerability in there and you know certainly you, you've always been an inspiration to us so thank you for thank being you. on the show oh thank you for having me I'm I'm really you've been listening to the best podcast to view show notes and other resources visit www.best.fm whilst there also hit the button to subscribe to the show so you'll never miss out there's also a link to join our Facebook group for all the latest announcements. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening.